series for the last couple of weeks. This is week three, and uh, we've talked about the church family, which we are. We've talked about children, which every one of us are children, whether our parents are living or have passed on. Uh, some of us have children. Some have grandchildren. Some even have great-grandchildren. Um, but today we're going to talk about fathers, and the big lead-up here is to Mother's Day, which is next Sunday, uh, May 10th. And uh, very likely, uh, regardless of what Governor Hutchinson says tomorrow about uh, his message about how we can regather in the church, we're going to keep it right here just because uh, it would only give us five days really to try to get set up and prepared if we were going to try to do something in there. We're going to let y'all know what we're doing. I don't want to scare anybody. I want to hear people's uh, thoughts on this stuff too. And so we're going to reach out and try to make good decisions. But we are going to uh, stay right here for next week uh, in the parking lot and do our Mother's Day service that way. Uh, hopefully, some restaurants may be open a little bit so you can take your mom out to, uh, to lunch afterwards. Uh, uh, but if not, keep doing what you're doing. Guys, these are topical messages, which means that I don't have a specific passage of Scripture uh, to really expose and to preach out of, but I have multiple Scriptures. And hopefully, if you have a bulletin um, sheet with our worship lyrics on it, you kind of have a guideline for what we're going to talk about today. And so uh, we're going to give six attributes of a biblical or a godly father. And we're going to use, I, I stole this from uh, a preacher named Ken Anthony. He preached this in 2014 in his Father's Day sermon, and he used the word father, and he broke that down into six points using each one of the letters as a point. And so we're going to do that today. And just to begin with, we talk about biblical fatherhood and that uh, the, the ideal here is to be a biblical father, to be a dad like God wants us to be. And so really preaching a lot to men today, but this message applies to all of us because women, uh, as wives, uh, we, or as mothers of men or whomever, we need to support godly fathers. We need to encourage godly fathers. We need to push godly fathers. Really, uh, sometimes they just need that nudge to be a little bit better. And, um, you know, a, a friend of mine came up a couple of years ago and said that uh, their prayer was that um, uh, this was a lady. She said that my husband would would be the spiritual leader in our home. And I think that that's a lot of women's um, prayer is that their husband, the man in the home, would step up and be the spiritual leader because I really believe that that's by God's design. Uh, thank God, though, that we have women who have carried and, and bur those burdens and, and taken that mantle upon themselves and worn that weight on their shoulders when there wasn't a man present in the home who would uh, really step into that role. And so we talk about biblical fathers today, and we know that biblical fatherhood is in short supply in our day and age. And a few things about what a real dad does, what a real man does, is he takes responsibility for his actions. Listen, it's not an excuse. It's not everybody else's fault. It's not how he was raised. Those are factors that play into what a dad becomes. But real fathers provide for their children in the realms of financial and physical and spiritual and emotional well-being. Real men, real fathers will serve God. They'll love God. They're going to love their families. And they're going to sacrifice themselves, take responsibility, and be true to their word. And uh, so as we look at these six attributes of a biblically sound father, what I want to read to you, first of all, is a couple of statistics. And uh, we got these statistics from fatherhood.com. Um, you can read those if you have your sheet with us. If you don't and you're at home, I want to read these to you. These are general statistics. I don't have specific uh, numbers to associate with these, but I'm sure you could find those online. Research shows, this is called the fatherhood effect. Research shows that when a child is raised in a father absent home, meaning that there is no uh, male presence, no father figure there, 
that a young man or young woman is affected in the following ways. And these are sad. You've probably heard these statistics before. Um, but poverty, someone in a father absent home is four times greater to be exposed to the risk of poverty. They are seven times more likely for teen pregnancy to become pregnant as a teenager. Uh, they are more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times, there's a two-time greater risk of infant mortality uh, in the mother-child health arena. Uh, children who have a father absent home are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. They're more likely to go to prison two times more likely to suffer obesity and have health issues, more likely to commit crimes, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. Now, I know that those are very general statistics. We could give you numbers, but I, I think you get the point. We all understand that, that a, a godly figure, a godly role model in a home is a positive thing for the home. And so we want to begin by just talking, and, and this isn't a message of like, man, let's stick it to the dads who have messed up. Let's, uh, let's uh, accuse fathers that are absentee. Um, there is some guilt. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will convict us in the arenas where we have failed and fallen short. But this is really a message of grace and hope. That if you've failed and fallen short, that there is an ability. God can restore the years that the locust has eaten. That he can make better what was. That he can help us to finish strong. And so we begin with point one in this word father. And it's the letter F, which stands for faithful. Good fathers should be faithful men. Uh, and listen, it shouldn't have to be said in this day and age, but it does. If you are not a man, you cannot be a father, okay? Uh, this is a role that was designed by God. Uh, faithful fathers trust God. They trust him for salvation in his son and submit to his lordship uh, first and foremost. Listen, a, you, it's hard to be a godly man if you don't trust God's son, if you aren't a Christian, first of all. You could be a good man all day long. Uh, we all know good people, but it's difficult uh, it, it's impossible, okay, to be a godly man if you don't know God in a personal relationship. And so this faithful man will submit to the lordship of Jesus. This type of father believes in God's promises that God will preserve and protect and provide for his family. Listen, we're weak, man. I'm a father. I'm, 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 I try to be a good dad, but I know I fail and fall short every day. But here's the deal. I can entrust my heavenly father with my family in all the arenas and all the times that I'm not present and all the ways that I can't protect and provide and take care of them. I can trust my God to do that very thing for me. We all can. Uh, we trust that God will meet our family's needs as we rely on him in faith. And I want to be the one that my boys look to. You know, it was sweet. Uh, Sperry and I were practicing this song last night, uh, My God, My Savior. And um, this morning, first thing, I mean, he woke up early, and he was asking me over and over again, Dad, how, Daddy, how does those, those words go? And uh, he was singing, you know, uh, My Savior, My God. And we were working on that. And uh, he was looking to me, and he would just go around walking through the house singing that song, and I was an example for him, and that's just one example. Like, listen, the bad things that I say and do, trust me, and there are those things, uh, the words that we're not supposed to say, he picks those up for me too. So my example, your example, is very prominent in the lives of younger children, whether they're your biological children or they're other young people in your life. A good father will accept his God-ordained role as the spiritual head of the household. He'll set the tone for family worship. I will tell you guys, I struggle with this. I, I, I preach, I, I prepare, I study, I lead Bible studies, I, I help with Sunday school classes, I lead a staff, I'll take care of so many different things. And when I get home, sometimes I'm so exhausted, maybe you are from work, that you neglect the aspect of prayer or spiritual leadership in your home. But it's even more important there than it is anywhere else. 
But a godly father will have a desire for God's word. He should have an active prayer life and lead his family in church attendance. Too many times, especially when I was a youth pastor, would I hear kids dictating where the family was going to go to church because they liked such and such youth group. And um, there's a problem with that. If children are the spiritual leaders in the home, then you're going to follow them wherever they go. But if you're the spiritual leader in the home, if the parents are setting the godly example, then the kids are going to follow suit, right? And uh, you should be praying about that as a family. Take the kids' input and advice into consideration as you're praying. Um, Listen, this person will also obey God's commandments, and that starts with us. Even godly born-again fathers, even Christian fathers, fall woefully short of the mark God sets for us. And examples abound in Scripture. Men who have been godly examples, who have even been appointed to leadership positions under God's direction, but have fallen short. You, you think immediately about guys like Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3. And Eli was present in the lives of his kids, but he was way too permissive. He let them get by with anything, and therefore he didn't keep them from the danger that absolutely uh, consumed them. You think about men like Samuel such a godly man, such a prophet, but Samuel refused to correct his evil sons. He refused to discipline them, and it it led to their demise, and plus a lot of bad things were the result of their lives. Men like David, King David, he was stern, and he was present, but he wasn't present or faithful, really, in the lives of his kids. You think about um, Tamar uh, being raped by her her own brother and uh, David really stopping to step in and stop uh, the the murder of Absalom and Amnon and the enmity that was there. And then later Absalom even trying to abdicate the kingship from his own dad. And that was a result of the parenting of King David. And then Manasseh in 2 Kings 21, who was a wicked king, but he sacrificed his own children to false gods, to demons, really. And uh, those are examples of poor fathers. There's others in Scripture, but there are also an abounding of good examples of fathers as well. You know, one of the ones that I think of when we turn to the pages of the New Testament was Joseph, the father, the earthly father of Jesus. This man, uh, if you put yourself in his position and you think about where he was coming from, um, he was uh, really betrothed. Uh, we think about this period of engagement to this young girl, this teenage girl named Mary. Joseph was probably a teenager himself. And so he handled the things that came at him from heaven so admirably. He protected and kept and married and took care of this woman and this child as his own. And he was his own, but this child was God's child. And so um, Joseph even went to the places where an angel came to him and said, please lead your family to safety uh, into Egypt. And he did such things. And we read about Joseph's life and and Jesus's early life up until the age of 12. And we don't know what happened to Joseph afterwards. But what I take from that is that when Jesus needed an earthly father figure, we have the account and the events of the man being present. He didn't abandon his family. He didn't take it as a slight. He took care of them up until the point that we needed to know about. Abraham is another good example from the Old Testament, a 100-year-old man who had been given a promise from God along with his 90-year-old wife, Sarah. And yes, they made some mistakes along the way when they stopped trusting God, but he obeyed God and he trusted God. God blessed him with a son and he obeyed God to such a sacrificial point that he was willing to lay this boy, his beloved only son, his heir on an altar and sacrifice him. Uh, And he showed his trust and his faith in the Lord. 
Guys, I tell you this because many times a father falls short of the ideals of God, but thankfully, God offers grace. He extends incredible mercy to us, even when we screw up, even if we've been too permissive, even if we've been disobedient as parents, even if we've been poor examples or absent in our children's lives. The beautiful thing about the promises of God are that we can return to him when we humbly come before him and repent, that we can become the man that God created us to be for his glory for our family's good, that there's no one too far gone that God can't bring them back. Even if you're an adult parent and your kids are out of the home now and maybe relationships have been strained, there is hope with God that those relationships can be reconciled and restored. The second letter in Father is A, and it stands for action. And really, when we talk about action, we talk about uh, fathers who are men of action. Uh, A lot of us, listen, I enjoy watching sports. Um, We have hobbies. Sometimes we like to indulge ourselves or to take a break or maybe even get a little lazy in our lives as we relax and unwind. But in spite of occasional laziness, good fathers are really men of action, especially when your family is in need. If you see that they're suffering, if you see that your family's hungry, if you see your kids are are being neglected in certain areas, you're going to rise to the occasion and meet the needs there. We don't just sit idly by and act as spectators so that our wives may raise and train and discipline our children. That's not their role. That's our role to take that mantle on. So this type of father will spring into action in the middle of the night when he hears the newborn baby crying and he knows that his wife has run ragged and she can't bring herself to get up off the mattress. He's going to take care of the baby or when the toilet's overflowing, when the car battery won't start, when something's in need of repair, when discipline is needed around the house or when there's other needs, a godly man is going to step into action. He's not going to let everything idly sit by and not do anything about it. That's not the example of a godly father. Good dads may not be experts in all areas, but they do know enough to get things done, to solve problems, and to rise to the occasion. Listen, I I know very little about a lot of things. I know quite a bit about a lot of other things, and all of us are that way. You may be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. You don't have to have all the answers to still be a good dad and to step up and to step in. It's just doing and trying that matter. Good fathers instill a good work ethic in their children. They teach them by example. I think this is one of the greatest things that I learned from my own dad. He is a Marine in Vietnam. He, he retired uh, from the United States Army. He worked hard his whole life. He provided for his family. He got up early. He came home late. He set this example and instilled something in my brother and I that we weren't supposed to be lazy, that we didn't need to just sit around the house and do nothing because we wouldn't grow up to be much of anything if we were taught that example when we were kids. And so I thank my dad that he was a hardworking father, but also thank good dads out there who challenge their kids to learn through activity and perseverance. Your kid may not uh, like to do something, but you keep uh, persevering with them. You're patient with them. You keep trying with them, and you see them succeed, and what a joy it is. It just melts your heart. Uh, An actionable father will watch over his kids and give them space necessary to try new things. You've got to let your kids make their own mistakes sometimes. And that's one of the hardest things about being a parent is when you see them struggle, you want to swoop in and take something over for them. But you've got to let them have these moments. Good fathers are active and engaged. They're actively present in the lives of their children. Um, You may travel and be gone a lot, but in the moments that you can be there, be there for your kids. The third letter is T, and it stands for teacher. 
Good fathers are teachers. Really, they're preparing, they're preparing, we are preparing our children for the difficult years of adolescence and adulthood. We want to equip them because this world is so tough and dangerous. We want to show them, teach them, help them learn how to become successful individuals and develop survival skills that will transition them from childhood to successful adults. Man, it's really like taking a sheep if you don't do anything with your kids and throwing them into a lion pit if you just allow them to grow up and you don't teach them about the world. You don't train them. You don't instruct them. It's a difficult thing for a child to be tossed into something like that. But it's not up to us. we got to remember this, whether or not our children listen or heed our wisdom and advice. It's really upon them. And so it's up to us as fathers to be credible, I think, to earn trust, to be reliable, to be present in our kids' lives so that they can look to us and they can trust our words and really understand that we're trying to teach them out of love. But ultimately, when your kid gets old enough, I mean, they may rebel. They may be running away from you. They may do their own thing. You have done what you were supposed to do. You were the watchman on the wall that God set there in their lives. And you were sounding alarms for them. You were alerting them of the things that they needed to know. And you weren't just allowing some to come in and drag them off unaware. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. The Apostle Paul here is really instructing fathers in the early church not to criticize their children. Don't beat them up all the time. Don't be legalistic. Don't be the dad that your kid scores 20 points in his basketball game, an upward basketball or something, and you're saying, well, you could have scored 23 if you just made that jumper from the corner. Man, encourage them. Tell them, good job. There are moments for discipline and, and to make things right, but there are also moments that dads need to take full advantage of where you just say, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you've done. I'm so proud of your behavior. I'm so proud of your grades. I'm so proud to see you making the effort. Be that dad. We need to show them the same unconditional love, the patience, the grace, and uh, the understanding that the Lord is demonstrating with us, all right, because all of us are still messed up. Our kids may think that we don't fail until they reach a certain age, but, man, if they knew how desperate, we're like the duck that looks so placid on top of the lake, but underneath our feet are just moving 90 to nothing, and we're trying to get through life, and kids don't understand that. They see what's on top. They don't see the internal struggles that we face, but when we remember how good our God is to us, that's a reflection of how we're supposed to be for our kids. And so I really think that a teachable father is really a good teacher. I'm not talking about being a school teacher. You may help them with their lessons, but I've heard a lot of dads recently say, man, once my kid got to the second or third grade, that was all that I could help them with in their homework because I couldn't do anything after that. That's okay. You don't have to know all the answers to be a good teacher for your kids. It just remain, means remaining humble. It may mean teaching your children the precepts of the Lord's love and his law. I think that goes for every one of us. But it involves teaching them from your testimony as believer. Listen, if your kids have never heard your testimony, something's wrong with that in a Christian home. If they've never heard maybe some of the struggles that you've had that the Lord's delivered you from or some of the prayers that you've asked that he's answered for you, your kids will gain so much spiritual maturity and strength from hearing that come from their parents, but especially from their daddy. Just care enough to teach and train them well. Just care enough to be there. The fourth letter is H. 
and father, and it's the word hope. And listen, good fathers offer their families hope, meaning that they're the source of hope and inspiration. Our families, I know when I was a little kid, I so desperately depended on my dad to be the strength for my family. I looked at him and thought he was 20 feet tall and bulletproof. I thought that he was invincible. I thought that he could do no wrong. I remember being a little kid and and looking to my dad, and if he was scared, we knew something was wrong. But if I saw my dad standing confident, or if he was handling the issue at hand, or if he was taking care of us, man, I had so much more encouragement and strength in the situation. Our families, our wives, our children are looking to us. It doesn't mean that we know it all. It just means that we are standing hopeful in spite of it all. Dads are often the family's pillar for strength and safety. They're the ones that can and should tell us that it's going to be all right when tough times are around the corner. Even though we can be prone to complaining, A lot of us as dads are quick to react. We let anger get the better of us. Uh, I think at times good fathers remain optimistic and resilient because we trust God and we refuse to let our family sink. You are going to do anything as a daddy to take care of your wife and kids. You're going to take the bullet for them if one is coming their way, and you can. In a word, fathers that are godly, that are biblical role models, have hope. A hope-filled father is a dangerously powerful entity in this world that is so full of despair, discouragement, and disappointment. And, and will you let your kids down from time to time? You bet you will. You are a human being. So don't be so hard on yourself if you've made mistakes, but keep going to the Lord, keep trusting him, and keep loving them. You uh, can show your children more of Christ-likeness by trusting them, by encouraging them, and cheering them on, by supporting their dreams, and by planning for their future. I've heard it said that where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no faith or no hope in what's to come, there's no power or ability or movement here today. And guys, it's true. We have to trust the Lord. Listen, you're going to get up tomorrow, and you may think, man, this is going to be a tough week, but you still get up in the, in, in the face of it, and you still keep going because God is in control. You see these clouds that are rolling overhead today. This is an overcast day. There are clouds here, but I promise you, if we could see just above that layer that's right there, the sun is shining brightly. When these clouds blow through, the sun is right there. No matter the circumstance, the storm, the problem, the situation in your life, God is always present. There may be circumstances that come against you that seem like, man, it's dark and it's gloomy over my life right now, but God is still there. He's never moved. He is not a changing God. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped being with you. What a great opportunity to show our kids that that's the type of God we serve and that we can be that for them. The fifth letter in in the father is E, and it's the word example. Good fathers should set a positive example because good impressions matter. Good fathers serve as role models and world shapers for their children. And a lot of times children tend to emulate and to adopt what we do rather than what we say. It's good to say the right things all the time, but it's better to act the right way most of the time. Fathers can show their children how healthy marriages interact. You know, uh, I, I was in a marriage, or I'm sorry, I was in a uh, a family where uh, I heard my daddy say, I love you. I saw him kiss my mom. Those were important lessons. I also saw negative things. I saw arguing and bickering and fighting. And those were, those were things that all of them, good and bad, shaped what I thought about relationships going into my teenage years and into adulthood. 
But you can teach your kids what a healthy marriage is supposed to look like, what um, a healthy work environment is supposed to look like, that you get up, that you go to work, that you don't come home and just gripe and cuss and complain about your boss all the time, but that you're faithful to go to work. Your kids will learn what work is by your work ethic, by your example. They'll learn how you treat people with dignity and respect or how you serve people. There are so many things that your children are learning from you. And uh, it's how to honor the Lord, even in their speech. Listen, if you use profanity all the time, and you may, I heard somebody the other day say, uh, I, I use, the, this person said it, I read this online, he said, I use the F word so often that I forget sometimes that it uh, is offensive to people. Listen, it's easy to get in ruts like that in life. And we have to come before the Lord with humility and say, God, find the ways that are erroneous. Find the ways that displease you and remind me of those things so that I can be corrected and made right again. Because the ultimate goal is righteousness in Jesus. And maybe by your example, you're going to teach your kids how to go this way or this way, how to rise up or how to sink down. You have that power. I really believe that fathers and godly families are God's plan A in spiritually developing our children. Mothers may spend more time with children in the home. I know that my wife does, and in most traditional homes, that's the case. And listen, I understand. I'm not neglecting the fact that a lot of families today are single-parent families, or you may be remarried or something else may be going on, or maybe grandparents are raising kids, but fathers still matter. The role of a godly father can't be understated. And so Paul told believers in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Man, you may need to just repeat that verse to yourself. That may need to be the mantra or the quote of your life. Follow my example. Not because I'm good in my own. It's not following the leader, following Aaron. But follow me as I follow Jesus. That's the hope in our homes. You can't go wrong if you're exemplifying humility, obedience, honor, and especially love for the, the Father. Your children will see this and they'll learn this, and it will be of benefit to them for the rest of their days. I'm sure that even now, some folks that are 50, 60, 70 years old can go back to their childhood and remember things that their mother or father taught them in the home. You don't forget those things the rest of your lives. So parents, be aware that while your kids are little, they're still going to be remembering things that you're telling them now decades later. The sixth and final letter in father is R, and it's for the word reliable. We've kind of mentioned this, that you be present, that you show up, that you rise to the occasion, but good fathers are reliable. Listen, good, good fathers are responsible, and good fathers are repentant, uh, and that's a word that I think we often neglect, repentant. I know many dads, I'm one of them, don't want to show our weakness. We don't want to admit that we could be wrong. You know, back before GPS, we always had the Rand McNally Atlas. You remember that thing? You'd break that dude out, and, I mean, whoever was navigating would be uh, looking the way, the route that we're going to go on our family vacation. And my dad had a bad habit. My mom would say, well, there's a gas station right there. Don't you think they know the way we're supposed to go? They live here. My dad would say, no, no, no. And so we coined this phrase, a Wayne Matthews, that's my dad's name, a Wayne Matthews shortcut. 
And it was never a shortcut, okay? Because my dad always thought that he knew the way, that he knew the right way to go. And it usually wound up for the worst for our family. Listen, we don't want to admit that we make mistakes or that we don't know something as men especially. But when we show our children that we do make mistakes but still demonstrate godly sorrow and turn from our wickedness, we're teaching them that God is full of patience, that he's full of passion towards us. This is what we call meekness. And if you know that word meek, it's this beautiful biblical word that means power under control, that you don't know everything. Listen, you teach your kids more about godly strength through meekness than many acts of valor because your kids are seeing a man who trusts God fully, admits that he makes mistakes, still goes to the Father and asks for forgiveness and sees God filling us back up. Yeah, you want to look good in your kids' eyes. We all do. No dad wants to look like a doofus. You do not want to be Homer Simpson, okay? Not a role model. You don't want to be Al Bundy. Those aren't role models. That's what the culture tries to depict men as in our day and age, that they're lazy, that they're incompetent, that they don't have ability, that everybody else runs the show that they should be made fun of. But godly men aren't meant to be that way. And so when we faithfully admit our mistakes to God, when we go to God the Father, and we're teaching our kids and our families more value than most things that they could ever learn. We're also demonstrating God's ability to forgive and to restore and to set us back on track. Kids need to see that failure is never final unless we finally stop trying in faith. And I'll say that again. Children, and I think adults as well, need to see that failure is never final until we finally stop trying in faith. The moment that you quit is when you become a quitter. The moment that you give up on God and you stop moving forward, that you stop believing, that you stop hoping, is when you have made the biggest mistake of all. I wonder if your children would label you as a reliable and consistent figure in their lives. You have the power to change that today if your answer is no. No one is hindering you from keeping your promises but you. You can blame it on everybody else. If you're divorced, you could blame it on their mom. Or a, a woman could blame it on the dad. If you're a fired from a job, you could blame it on your employer. If you were raised in an alcoholic home, you could blame it on your parents. Or abusive situations. Or that you didn't have the right cards dealt to you in life. You could even shake your fist and blame God. But no one is responsible for how we respond and control our actions and behavior but us. We have the power and ability that God is giving us. Our role as fathers should not be neglected. It should not be outsourced. It's not your wife's job to raise the kids. It's not your mama's job to raise your kids. It's not a teacher or a coach's job or a principal's job or a pastor's job or a Sunday school's job, teacher's job to raise and train your kids. It is your responsibility, folks. It's a privilege and pa a passion that is not afforded to so many people. So as fathers, we need to act like the men God created us to be. Not cowards, not spineless, not abandoning our families because it's inconvenient, not slouching away or running away, but running into the fight. Listen, it is not easy to be courageous that way, but with God's help and strength, man, he will make the way possible. And so as our society devalues fatherhood, we can still buck this trend, and we can set high examples for integrity, for morality, but also to become known by our children as servants, faithful, merciful, joyful, loving, and Christ-likeness. I remember um, uh, a couple of years ago, right after I'd first started here, uh, I was 
hiking with John Paul and Stacy Thomas, and I remember him talking about being a preacher's kid and his daddy, Gary, who was a pastor here forever. And he said, you know, he said, I got to see firsthand my dad, he said, going to visit folks in the hospitals and being there for people. And he said, uh, as kids, he'd bring us along. Sometimes we got drug along to go there as well and to be in those hospital rooms with them. And what they saw in their daddy was something that was admirable, an excellent quality that a pastoral or shepherd's heart should be demonstrating and displaying. I hope my children see the same thing in me. I hope your children see the same thing in you, that you care about people, that there are qualities that you are showing of servanthood, of faithfulness, of mercy, of love, and of a joyful spirit, just being like Jesus. Ultimately, you have the say in how you raise and train and teach and encourage your children. They need men worthy of emulation. You know, in my spiritual life, I didn't have a dad who was there spiritually or uh, to model or exemplify Christ-likeness. I did not see that in my dad. As good a qualities as that man had, it wasn't Jesus that I found through my father. But there were men in the church there were pastors, there were godly deacons, there were men who stepped up and said, Aaron, come on, I'm going to invite you to our Bible study. Aaron, step, step over here, I want to invite you to our home, we're going to pray before meal, and I'd like you to pray for us. There were men and women who said, Aaron, I want to pray over you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, and thank God that they did. I tell you this church, there is a young man or a young woman, and they may not be that young, they may be middle-aged, older, whatever it is, that is looking for an opportunity for a family member in Jesus Christ to love them, to pull them in, to teach them, to train them, to encourage them, and to biblically model what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. If it weren't for the church people that I've known and met in my life, I would not be here before you today. So let us be people worthy of emulation. Teach your kids responsibility. Here's something, guys. It's not a burden or a curse to work. You know, we look at the, the curse of sin that fell on Adam and Eve after the Garden of Eden. Listen, before the curse of sin, labor was a beautiful thing to be enjoyed. It's still something that we should teach our kids. We train our kids in the process. We show them that as we trust them and teach them that they're growing and we take advantage of the few short years that you're under your care. I don't know if you saw the graphic that Miss Monica made on Facebook, but 18 years is ideally the time that we have with our kids. Some, their lives are cut short. Some, we don't have them in our care the whole time. But that's not a lot of time from birth to 18 years to be able to instill these things in their lives. We've got to work with what we have, and the time is short. Good fathers are consistent. Irresponsible people run away from problems. Unreliable fathers make excuses for their inconsistent behavior, for their poor conduct, and as a result, they seldom live lives worthy of modeling. But because of this, families and children, and ultimately societies and the kingdom of God suffer. But good fathers prove their character as they're faithful to the highest calling that they could ever receive. Did you know this, guys? especially men, the highest calling that God could ever put in your life is to become a father, to raise, to train, to instruct in righteousness little ones. Give them all you got. Give them as much of Jesus as you can. Show them what love looks like. Show them what hard work and dedication and sacrifice looks like. Nothing else will ever trump the experiences that you'll make with your kids or the impact that you'll have on them or the end results of raising children who are wise and faithful to Jesus. Last thing I'll say here this morning, a father's influence is paramount to a child's development into a happy, well-adjusted, productive adult. 
Fatherhood is not motherhood. They're completely different aspects of parenting. But it is an active rather than a passive father who does the most good. Good fathers are involved in their children's lives. They look out for their best interests. And so, dads, we know this. I know this. You have hard choices to make. You realize sometimes that uh, the hard decisions you make are not always the most popular, but they may be the best for your kids. I was told this a long time ago when I became a youth pastor by my pastor. He said, these kids need you to be their spiritual leader. They need somebody that's going to take care of them and look out for them and teach them the things of God. They don't need a buddy or a best friend. They've got some of those in school. And I would say the same thing is true about us as dads. While I want to be a friend to my children, it's not my job to be their best friend and to always tell them the things that they want to hear or be there with them. It's to lead them, to guide them, to instruct them, because sometimes I'm going to have to discipline them and make those hard decisions that aren't popular, but they're for their best. And so good fathers are able to discern and develop their children's hearts, souls, and minds as they look to and lean into God themselves. Do you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, there's a lot of hard teaching in this stuff today, God, and in this whole family series, because we all look at our lives, and me included, God, and you know the type of family that I came from, and you know the type of family that I have and lead today, God, and there are so many imperfections, and there are in all of us across the board. Lord, we try, and often we fail. Sometimes we give up. Sometimes we lose our temper. Sometimes, Lord God, we just um, blow it as adults, and and, and as parents, some of us have this long history where maybe the relationship is broken with our kids and we haven't even spoken to them in so long. God, I pray for those that are so heartbroken over this situation, whether it's the child or the parent that is being spoken to right now. God, that your spirit would be at work, that there could be a movement of restoration that redemption would be shown, that they could be reconciled and brought back together, Lord, that somebody would have the courage and the bravery and the faithfulness to take that first step. Lord, for those of us who are raising little ones today, God, we pray that um, you'll help us to be faithful, consistent stewards of what we've been given, that we'd be good models, that we'd be uh, men and women of action, that we'd be um, faithful and that we would honor you in the process, Lord. Uh, we recognize that we are imperfect, but we trust you, our perfect God and Savior, to lead us and, in, and instruct us, encourage us along the way. Father, we ask that you would bless us, bless us as we go into motherhood. And Lord, I pray that men today uh, might begin to think, even today if they haven't this week, about what is coming up this next week. It's a day set aside, which shouldn't just be one day of the year, where we honor our wives and mothers. Let our kids see how good our moms are through the dads that lead them. And, Lord, we ask that you bless us, bless this church. Thank you for the faithfulness that you've shown to us. Continue to do that. In Jesus' precious name, amen.